Yeah, that's better, isn't it? Yeah, so. Okay, that's great. Good. Well, uh, I've got a little test for you this morning. So are you ready? This will test you. How many can remember what Pastor Chris spoke about? I think it was a fortnight ago. Ooh, two. I want three points. Three points. Barry's got it. Barry's got it. Do you want to volunteer one of them? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, uh, it was uh, kingdom mindset. That's absolutely right. Yes. Well, when he was preaching, I sat there in well amazement, really, because um, I knew I was going to be quite busy this week, and so I prepared this sermon, this talk, about three weeks ago, and all my points set out. And then Pastor Chris started speaking, point one, oh, that was in my talk. <laughs> point two, oh no, it's in my, and point three were in my talk. So I sort of said to him afterwards, I've got a bit of a pastoral problem here, what do I do? Well, he said, nobody will remember, so go ahead and preach. <laughs> He didn't, he didn't quite put it like that. What he, what, he, uh, what he actually said was that we need to reinforce these things. So, well, um, I've, got to, I've got a slightly different take on the way he put it, and uh, hopefully it will come across fresh. So, uh, slightly different emphasis. So, I'm going to talk about kingdom mindset, but I want to add in an ingredient. So, I want to talk about kingdom faith. We're talking about the kingdom at the moment, and God establishing his kingdom and what that means. So I want to talk a little bit about, about faith. Because, you know, it says in Scripture that without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can do all the good works you like. You know, you can come to church every Sunday. You can uh, read your Bible every day. But without faith, you won't please God. It's a key aspect for God's kingdom. And more than that, it says in Hebrews 11 uh, and round about verse 32, he says, all that can be achieved through faith, the writer of Hebrews says. Um, and he, he lists a, a load of people. It says, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, that's a good one, became valiant in battle, turned to, to fight the armies of the aliens, and it goes on to one or two more unpleasant things like being sawn in two, but we're not going to talk about that this morning. So faith is key to our, the way we operate in the kingdom of God. Now, just before we, do, just before we go on to that, then I just want to say a little bit more about the kingdom. And, uh, yes, it's working, great. Because God is on a mission. God is on a mission to this world. And at the moment, of course, well, who, who is the prince of this world? The evil one is, yes. 
He's not yet in that place where he has placed Jesus as the king of this world in actual reality. But he's on a mission to establish the throne of Jesus Christ so that it says that uh, um, at the present time, the kingdom of God is within us, but there will come a time when the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and Christ. So the Bible is the story of the mission that God has to this world. And I wonder if you look at that map, and if some of you have been to my studies before, you've seen this already, but uh, it's worth repeating. Where would you start your mission? If you needed to bring a rescuer to this earth, if you needed a place to put your rescuer, where would you put him? Well, how, how about... How about there? You see, that's right in the middle of the earth, isn't it? And from there, the good news of Jesus Christ can go out throughout the whole world. So in this little strip of land, which is uh, the nation of, or became the nation of Israel, on, to, at this little stri- on this little strip of land, God puts his focus. He has a mission, and I want to take up a Bible story where God is actually beginning to establish his kingdom in this territory because he needs some land. He needs a bridgehead, just a place where he can bring, of course, his rescuer, Jesus Christ. Now, if you know the Bible story at all, you'll remember that actually this whole process is a process of faith. It began with one man of faith, whose name was Abraham, who became Abraham. His family grew until they were uh, several, uh, about 70 people, who went eventually because of famine into Egypt, where they grew and grew and grew. And eventually under Moses, God delivered them from Egypt with great miracles and brought them out and said, I'm going to take you to a promised land, my promised land. I promised you this, this land. I'm going to take you there. I'm going to put you in, in a land where you can demonstrate my kingdom. You can be a people for me. You can show the world what it's like to have God in, in charge of your nation, the blessing of God, the peace of God, the laws of God. And I'm going to give you some territory. And so we take up the story where there come... Um, out of that time in the wilderness, because they were there, they didn't have the faith to go in the first time, but they're going to, uh, they're going to invade this territory and uh, conquer the land. Okay, now at this point, um, just take a little aside, because I know at least there's one person here, and perhaps a number of people, who've said to me in the past, how come God could be so cruel to all those people in that land that you were conquering. It doesn't seem like God's character to destroy all those people just so that his people can have some territory. So I just want to deal with that one just very, very briefly. Now, if you know anything about this land of Canaan as it was, the Canaanites were extremely wicked and extremely cruel. And what I've put up there is an artist's impression of the worship that took place in the temples in Canaan. 
It wasn't uh, joyful worship like this. There was plenty of noise. And if you can see, there were some trumpets around and drums. Those trumpets and drums were there to drown out the cries of that child that was being offered in sacrifice in a fire. That child was uh, being offered up to die in a most horrific and cruel way. And, you know, you can equally say, well, why didn't God put a stop to this? It's so terrible. And in fact, he did. He wanted to put a stop to all this demonic stuff that was going on. And he let it run as long as he could. And then eventually, his people went in and wiped the slate clean, as it were. Now, this nation was so infested with demonic stuff that it was the only way God could cleanse it. It's a little bit like today, you know, um, if you've got a, a cancer in your leg, to stop it spreading, you would chop the leg off. You have it amputated so that at least you survive, you're alive, and the, the, you, uh, you know, you're without the leg, but you, you're living. And uh, it's a little bit like that in this case, you see, because today, of course, Jesus Christ has conquered the evil one, and we have spiritual weapons to deal with all these effects. But in those days, the cross hadn't happened, and that God didn't, and the people of Israel didn't have those spiritual weapons to overcome the spiritual forces that were in the nation. So that's why God cleansed it. I just want to deal with that because sometimes it gets in people's way. You know, God's a God of love. He loves everybody, and He wants all men everywhere to repent and come to the knowledge of the truth. But in this case, it had gone too far, and he had to do something about it to stop it. Okay, right. So we'll go back, uh, we'll go back to Joshua as uh, the character, the leader of the people of Israel. After um, Moses had led them out, you remember, taken them through the Red Sea and uh, taken them through the wilderness, but then Moses had died and it was Joshua's turn to take over. It was a new season. And uh, you know, I believe this story's got one or two things to teach us about entering into a new season. New mindset. Greater faith was needed. Let's read the story. It's in Joshua and chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, if not, I'll just read it to you. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving you, I am giving to them, the children of Israel." Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. From the wilderness and from this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, and as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. 
I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. That's all the Bible they had in those days, of course, was the book of the law of Moses, what we call uh, the first five books of the Old Testament. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid, nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So many encouragements there to be strong, not to be afraid. No matter what we're facing, no matter what, what you're up against, God is saying to Moses, I'm bigger than that. I can do it, and you can do it through me. Be strong. And how many times do we need to tell that to ourselves? Be strong and have good courage. Well, uh, here we've got Joshua. I love this picture. Uh, I think it's just a, a great uh, way of representing what happened as they crossed the Jordan. God worked a miracle for them again. And uh, all the people in order. But, you know, they're there ready for war. They're ready to fight. And uh, this was uh, Pastor Chris's first point, I think, from what I remember, that, you know, the Christian life isn't a piece of cake. I think if you've noticed, but uh, there's a struggle involved sometimes. I remember a friend of mine, uh, we led him to the Lord when I was at university, and he said, oh, he said, you know, when I became a, before I became a Christian, I had plenty of time to do everything I liked. But now, oh dear, it's such a struggle. I've got to do this and do that. But it wasn't just the doing. Somehow it seemed to him a little bit more of an effort than it used to be. He had to be more disciplined in his life. And, uh, you know, the, there, is, there is that element to the Christian life. That uh, we're, we're there, we have a, a fight on our hands. Now, you know, God said to Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Don't worry about that, because I'm bigger than the enemies you face. But um, in a sense, we're swimming, we're swimming upstream. And uh, the, although Joshua, of course, is fighting people, I just want to emphasize this, you know, the Bible says that uh, we're not fighting flesh and blood. We're not, we're not conducting a, a jihad to conquer the world. That's not the way God works. God works one heart at a time, one person at a time. He wants each one to come into his kingdom, to submit to him as Lord, to, as Savior and Lord, and he wants them to be, uh, he, wants, he wants it to be a heart thing. So it's nothing we can enforce with the sword. That's not the way God works. But he does want, he does, he's not interested so much in territory these days, He's interested in people and in hearts. And he's interested in your heart. 
that you submit to him as, as Lord and Savior. That's really the best place to be, isn't it? With God as your Lord. Because he knows best. And he has the power. He has everything you need. He's, he's the God, the scripture says, who's more than enough for everything you face. But we are, as um, in this world, we are uh, in a war. We can't duck out of it. Um, you couldn't say during the Second World War, sorry, I'm not going to fight uh, the Nazis. The war's been declared by the government. You've got no choice. So that's where we are, folks. And we've got, actually, we've got uh, three enemies. I want to deal with them rather quickly. If you want some, a little bit more, I'll be dealing with it in Bible school tomorrow because I'm speaking along with Pastor Chris tomorrow night. Um, we've got three enemies. The first one is an external enemy. That's actually the mindset of the world around us, which isn't focused on God, it's focused on self. And that, that's a, there's a pressure with that. And the scripture says, uh, one translation which I really like says, don't let the world press you into its own mold. You know, we want to be in kingdom mold, not in the world mold. So we've got an external enemy. We've got an internal enemy, strangely enough. And that's our own self. You know, sometimes we can be our own worst enemy. The Bible calls it the flesh. It's a bit of a technical term. But it means that, um, you know, the, all the stuff, the, in, the inherited stuff that we, uh, we have to deal with, because, you know, basically um, our flesh doesn't like uh, being disciplined. We like to do, do things, uh, uh, you know, in our own time, in our own way. We don't like to come under anybody else's authority. And there's all sorts of stuff there. I haven't really got time to deal with that now, but... You know, that's, that's the internal enemy, sorting yourself out. Because we have to, you know, the Bible says that um, we need to be renewed in the spirit of our minds, that there are things our thinking needs to be renewed, so that uh, we have the right, as we're saying today, the right mindset. And of course, we've got an external enemy, we've got an internal enemy, but we've also got an, a, an infernal enemy. And that's the main reason... Uh, in many ways, one of the main reasons anyway, why the world doesn't work as well as it should, because there are spiritual forces that are definitely against the purposes of God in this world, and are trying to work through people to, um, to oppose what uh, God is wanting to do in building his kingdom. You see, I always find it's rather interesting that actually um, the way things work in this world is that Things work through people. Uh, God works through people and has limited himself to work through people. He said, um, well, the scripture says, the heaven, even the highest of heaven, Psalm 115, belongs to our God, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. So he works, he wants to work through people. Uh, Hugh reminded us last week, I think, of that verse in uh, Ephesians 3, where it says, God is able to do far more abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. But sometimes we stop there and forget that actually it goes on to say, according to the power that is at work in us. You know, God works through people. And the devil works through people as well. He you know, he'd love to just come in and squash us all flat and uh, finish off the, uh, the fight, but he can't. He has to work. He has to find people to work through. He has to find, in an extreme case, he has to find a Hitler or a Stalin or whatever, you know, whoever you can, you can think of. But, 
you know, perhaps an awkward boss at work. Doesn't have to be, one, uh, uh, you know, a, a great political figure. So God, God works through people, and he's wanting to work through us. So the first thing then to remember is that um, uh, we, do ha- we, are, uh, we have a fight of faith. Right? The scripture says to fight the good fight of faith. And that whole list that I referred to in Hebrews 11 is about those who'd, who'd won victories through faith. Well, we're looking at Joshua, and the first thing that we notice in that passage is that there's the paradox of faith. He says, let me read it from here, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. It's already yours. But you've got to go and fight for it. Okay. There seems to be a paradox there. That God says it's yours, but you've got to to fight for it. You've got to to stand your ground. You've got to go in there and say, this is mine. You've got to take it. And, you know, that's, that's often how faith works. Is that, well, it is how faith works. That, you know, God says... I've done this for you. Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. I've done it. I've accomplished all. In one sense, God has done all he's going to do about healing. Because it says, by his stripes you were healed. Okay? It's done. But we have to appropriate it. It's not automatic. So we have to say, thank you, Lord. I believe it. I'm establishing it. I'm declaring it. And I'm, uh, I'm making it mine. Now, it's rather interesting because, you know, it says, okay, fine. uh, Sometimes I've done this and it's not worked. How do you work faith? And this this verse that Joshua has here, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given you. Joshua's heard that before. And actually, if you read it, it's in, I think it's in Deuteronomy. Moses had already written it down. And he said to Joshua, Moses had said to to Joshua, you've already got the land. Just go in and take it. It'll be yours. God will be with you. He'll help you. He'll strengthen you. But at this point, Joshua has to hear it for himself. Because it says in Scripture that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And that word, the the word there, has got a, a spoken element to it. It has to be somehow something personal that God speaks to you. That it's not just an understanding, it's a heart thing. It's not just a head thing, it's a heart thing, it's a revelation. You see, you you can be told something, God wants, let's take healing for example, because I've got a lovely testimony afterwards at the end, which I'll share with you about how a little baby was healed. But um, if you take that as an example, God may, you may read, okay, I believe God wants to heal me. But if you've got that, it's, it's, um, it's a hope. It's not faith. It's a hope. And hope is in the future. I think God, will, God wants to heal me. It, w- it will happen. But actually, faith is, a, it's, a scripture says, faith is a substance 
of things hoped for. It's something more certain than just a hope. It's something definite that God wants to plug into you. And he wants, to know, he wants you to know deep within your heart that this is done and it's accomplished. It's, it's, it takes that revelation word from God to know that I know that I know that it's done. It has been done. It's a, and it's a personal word. It comes from a relationship. This is Joshua has a relationship with God. He's grown up under Moses. He's been close to God. He's been up the mountain. He knows, he knows God, but he still needs to hear this in his heart, spoken by the Holy Spirit into his heart, that you, I, I have given you the land. And so, you know, faith is it's not, it's not a future thing. It's a now thing. I know that I know that it's done. And it comes from personal revelation, from your walk with, with Jesus Christ. Um, I remember years ago, I had some quite alarming symptoms in my body. I won't go into it. But and I, I thought, and I, I just went before the Lord. I was quite scared. And I read Psalm 91. And, uh, you know, you always fear that the worst, you always fear it's cancer or something, don't you? And uh, so I, I was just asking the Lord. And, and God just lit up to me that verse in Psalm 91. It shall not come near you. And I knew that was a personal promise. I know it's a, it was a fact in the word, but it actually came alive to me as, as I read the word that the Holy Spirit spoke it to me. And that gave me the faith to know that everything was okay and things were fine. There was no problem at all. And you know, th- this is the kind of relationship and the walk God wants to have. And this is how we overcome in faith. It's knowing what God has done for us. It's knowing what he's achieved. It's knowing that it's a done deal. That in the spirit realm, you've already got it. It's given to you. And uh, it's, it's yours um, to believe for. Now, sometimes, of course, it takes a while. Because Jesus said, you know, if, if you believe in your heart that you have received it, it shall be yours. You believe that you have received it, but it takes, sometimes will take a little while. It will be yours, future tense. So that's where that's the fight of faith is to stand your ground and to say, yes, Lord, thank you. I know it's mine. I'm not seeing it yet, but I'm declaring it, I'm proclaiming it, and it will be mine. So Joshua um, receives that word of faith into his heart and it gives him uh, that bold confidence to go forward and conquer the land. And of course... We know the story of how it took place. But God has one more thing to say to him. Uh, at least one more thing. Um, and he says, this book of the law, and of course in those days it was a scroll. It wasn't a book with pages in. It was like uh, vellum. It was um, you know, uh, skins with writing on. And uh, you still see the, um, the Jews have these today. The Torah, the books of the law are written out like that. So um, in this version, he says, study this book of the law continually, meditate on it day and night. And uh, that is the next thing that I I really would like to emphasize. Now, again, I'm sure this is one of the points that Pastor Chris made, how important the word of God for us, because actually the word does bring faith to us. It It lights up 
to us as we read it and as we meditate. And sometimes, you know, we need to keep declaring it. We need to keep uh, reading it to ourselves until it sinks in. From it goes from here to here. Uh, someone once said that's the longest distance in the world from here to here. But, you know, the, the Word of God is living and active. It's alive. It has a power. It's, Jesus said it's like a seed that you put in the ground. And it, the seed has its own power to grow. The seed will grow. Um, you know, you put it in the ground, it, it covers up, and, you know, you, you think nothing's happening for a while. But it grows. That's its nature. It grows. And the Word of God will grow um, as you um, speak it out, as you declare it, and as you read it and meditate on it. It says meditate on it day and night. And actually, in the Hebrew, the word to meditate means to mutter. It means to you know, speak over to yourself. And there's a power in speaking out the Word of God because it's, it's creative. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. And the, the Word of God, as you speak it, actually has an, a power to impact the world and impact the spiritual realm. You know, that, uh, that God's Word is law in the universe. There is no other law. Satan has to try and find ways of using that, and he does sometimes. I'll say about, more about that tomorrow night. But, you know, it's, it, God's Word is the law. And as you declare that and establish that, things will change. Again, I've got a little testimony about that at the end, but I'll uh, just share um, a testimony of some friends of ours who had a baby who was um, born with, uh, I, I think, some uh, uh, mental challenges. You know, there wasn't expected to be very... Um, I think it was some brain damage. I think that's what it was. Um, and they just put scriptures around his cot and kept declaring the word, and today he's fine. He's absolutely fantastic and flourishing. So praise God, you know? Um, and you need the Word of God for every situation that you face. You need to get the Word from God. Lord, what is it? What Word do I need from this? And just keep declaring it. You know, no matter what the circumstances are telling you, if God has spoken it, it will be yours if you believe it in your heart. So, you know, God has given it to you. There's no way that uh, the enemy can uh, stop it happening unless, of course, you give up. You must persevere. It's not, but I think, you know, sometimes we want our problems solved by um, a quick prayer at the front. Now, I'm not decrying that, and sometimes that happens, and sometimes that's really important that you come to the front, and it's a way of sealing what God's been speaking to you. But, you know, for some things, that they won't happen straight away. You need to persevere, and there's a perseverance in faith that you stand your ground and say, this is mine, God has given it to me, I know it's mine, and I'm going to see this victory. I'm going to persevere, I'm going to be strong and of good courage, because God is with me, and I'm going to succeed. Praise the Lord, that's exactly how he wants us to stand. That's the, he loves to see that kind of courageous faith. But you know, it's not just hope, it's not just a vague feeling of perhaps God will do it. It's, it's a knowing deep in your heart, and you have to get that from the Holy Spirit. It's no good if it's just a, a, a sort of mental assent. Uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, the word that Jesus Christ speaks to you in your heart. Wow. Okay, so there's one more thing. And uh, it's a little bit of a negative because um, the, the invasion that Joshua took through 
uh, the promised land, of course, encountered amazing victories. We all know the story about Jericho and how uh, the walls fell down. I think there's archaeological evidence to suggest that they're actually on a mound and an earthquake just sort of, you know, God caused the earthquake and the, 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 the walls just toppled down the mound. Um, and uh, the, they were able to go and conquer that. And it was, you know, all God, really, in that case. They didn't have to fight very much. Um, but after victory came a defeat. And I don't know if you remember the story of one of the people who did something that he shouldn't have done. And his name was Achan. And do you remember what, uh, what he did? You can see him there, if I get out of the way. Um, he took some very attractive, precious things and buried them in his tent. Because God has said, this time, with this, uh, with this victory, I want all the spoils, to, you, know, you destroy some of them, and uh, all the silver and gold and, and some of the spoils come to, to me. God, God wanted them as uh, the, the first fruits to be offered to him. And it wasn't that he didn't want them to enjoy all that they were taking, but at this, this one, God was saying, look, I, I want you to give it to me. This, this is mine, and uh, I, you can have the rest, but I'm asking you to give me that. And I think we were talking in our life groups this week about, uh, the, the, about our, how we sh- uh, God asks us to give um, into his kingdom. Uh, but um, Achan says, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon, silver coins and a bar of gold. I wanted them so much. And you can see what uh, uh, is happening here. It's a heart thing again. You see, God actually doesn't want our money. He wants our hearts. And uh, it's, it's like a test. And um, on behalf of the rest of the people, Achan failed the test. And he suffered the consequences. And we see here, it, this is the, the external enemy, if you like, pulling at you, saying, you know, um, the world so much often says, oh, give me your time. You know, give, give me your money. This, uh, give me this, that, and the other. And uh, uh, there's so many good things out there, but uh, it's not that God doesn't want us to enjoy them. He, he doesn't object to us watching TV. He doesn't object to us having nice income, but he, he, he wants to be first. And he wants us to give him first place in our lives. So it, it's a lordship thing. And uh, Achan failed the test. And the result was, if you remember the story, that the children of Israel attacked this town, and they thought, okay, easy peasy, it's a small town. We got Jericho without any problem. That was a big place. So we're going to get, to, we're gonna get to this little town called Ai. That's how you pronounce it. Ai, that's how you spell it anyway. And uh, he, they, they, they charged it, and they were defeated because God wasn't with them. Now, be careful with parallels here too much, but there's a principle involved, okay? Because, you see, the reason they were defeated is that there was more at stake than uh, just a a, a kind of a natural um, battle. Because this is a spiritual battle. You know, Satan did not want them to conquer this land. And they were powerful. These were demonic people. And there was powerful forces involved. And, you know, sometimes you can get along for a while um, doing things in the natural, as we say. You can get along 
and uh, you know, have a certain amount of victory. But if you're coming up against spiritual enemies, you need spiritual weapons. And uh, if you want, again, you come along to Bible school, Pastor Chris is talking about the authority that we have as believers over these, um, uh, over these um, uh, forces. Uh, I'm just reminded, I was going to speak about this earlier, but it didn't come to mind, but I'm just reminded, if you remember when Jesus was on uh, the lake and there was a storm on the lake, and he was asleep in the boat at the back, and uh, he said, uh, and the storm arose, and the disciples started to panic, and they were bailing like crazy, and they said, Lord, don't you care? Wake up, you know, do something. And he's actually quite cross with them. He says, you know, where's your faith? Um, now, he wasn't at that point, he wasn't saying, uh, where's your faith? Come along and sleep alongside me and wait for the storm to go over. Because the scripture says that Jesus is uh, the author and pioneer, the pioneer and um, perfecter of our faith, I think it says. Um, but his, what he meant there, what the scripture meant there, is that he showed us the way. He showed us how to have faith, how to exercise faith. And what he does, he, um, Jesus gets up, and he does two things. First of all, he speaks to the wind. And that's a command. He says, shut up, be muzzled, don't go, die down. He commands, if you like, the spiritual element as it was, actually, because of opposing his purposes, to stop. And then he speaks to the waves. He says, hush, be still. Now, you can't, in life, you can't speak to the waves to be quiet if you don't deal with the wind. And you need to speak to the wind as well as the waves. You need, if you've got, it's a, say, if, you've got, if it's a spiritual battle, you need to use your spiritual weapons. Because as believers in Christ, we are seated in, with Christ in heavenly places, far above principalities, powers, rulers, authorities. We have a, authority, Jesus said, to tread upon snakes and scorpions. Nothing shall in any way harm us. But we do need to do it. It's not automatic. So you speak to the wind, and you you speak um, to the, uh, and then you you tell the, you know, you pray about the the, the, the physical circumstances that were. Well, those um, just a few thoughts about about faith. Um, you know, it comes by hearing a personal word from God. It takes a discipline sometimes to stand, and to stand with the Word of God and to read the Word of God, because that um, keeps us working in the Spirit. It stops us from looking at things entirely naturally. And there's a warning too, you know, not to let the world press you into its mold, because that will draw you away and keep you, you know, actually, although I I said God doesn't mind us watching TV, it, it can be a bit of a problem if you just, because that that gives you the whole world mindset. You know, you, I don't watch soaps, but you know, the world that, that pre- those TV programs present is very often a godless world. God is out of the picture. If there's any spiritual content, it's some silly vicar. Um, and I don't mean all vicars are silly, but you know what I mean. It's a, it's a, it's a stereotype of a Christian. Um, and it, it's a deliberate, um, sometimes a deliberate ploy just to keep us away. So, you know, I would challenge you to watch uh, how you're using your time. You know, are you using it rightly? God wants you to rest. God wants you to play. Um, and uh, I think it was 
Just uh, Albert Einstein said there were three, um, uh, three things, to, three, three keys to uh, success. He said, work hard, play hard, and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's, rust, that's rather irrelevant from what I'm saying. But, but uh, <laughs> let's just go to my... So, so yes, yeah, so beware of the pulls away. You know, um, the external um, enemy of the world, the internal enemy of the flesh that doesn't like us being disciplined, and the infernal enemy whom we need to take authority over. Now, I just want to put the sort of put flesh and bones on this because I came across this lovely story uh, a few uh, hours ago, actually. Um, and it is on the internet. I'll tell you where to get it from if you want to know. Um, true story. Um, lovely family called Dickens. And uh, they had uh, three children. And then they had a little boy whose name was Colt. And very soon after he'd been born, it was pretty obvious that something was wrong. Because this little boy had got very, very defective kidneys. They were just like long little sort of strips. They weren't developed at all. And then the nurse said, we've got to take him to dialysis. And he's got to be on dialysis for the rest of his life. And life expectancy on dialysis is something between five and ten years. Now you can imagine that's a devastating thing for any family to face when they have a newborn baby. And you can see there the tubes that they had to put into the poor little mite to, uh, to do the dialysis. And this, this meant the whole family's life changed because uh, they couldn't go out, he couldn't do things. He had to be you know, near the machine every so often. And uh, it, he was vomiting very often. Um, until um, they came across... Um, you know, some Bible teaching where somebody was talking about the power of faith. And so they decided that they would put their faith into operation. Now, this is huge, isn't it? You know, if uh, um, just an ordinary family, you know, not kind of had this kind of thing to face before, and it took a while. And uh, I'm trying to remember her name. I, th I think it's Diane. I can't quite remember. But um, she gave herself, switched off the TV, gave herself to studying the Word. And eventually they came to the realization that this wasn't God's will for this child. And so the father said, you know, just an ordinary guy. Uh, he wasn't a pastor or anything, as far as I know. He, he just went to the child's cot eventually and said, whatever is evil in this child, I command it to leave in the name of Jesus Christ. He just commanded the evil, whatever it was, that was causing this thing to go. And as they read the word and as they, you know, kept themselves um, in, in faith, Eventually, things started to change. And uh, I wish I had time to play you the video, but uh, I haven't. So it's, it's a lovely story. Because um, 
they, uh, they said to the, the um, consultant, you know, can we just have one day uh, a month where we don't have to do the dialysis? And so they said, well, okay, one day. And then they went back and said, now, can we have two days? And they said, well, I don't know. I don't think so, because we don't think he needs dialysis at all. And they took him off the machines, and he's a healthy uh, baby today. Well, by faith, you know, Jesus said we can move mountains. And, uh, you know, I believe that we're coming into new times, a new season. All the prophets are saying it's, it's a new era. It's not just a new season, it's a new era. Things are going to change, things are going to be different. And God is going to require faith from us. And, you know, this, this, uh, I like that picture that I had earlier of the, of the army crossing the, the, the Jordan there. It, it takes, um, for, for God to establish his kingdom as he wants to establish it in this town and in this land, um, it takes an army, not just one or two. And, the, and in this new season, God is not just going to be using the, the pastors, the great speakers, the, the great occasions. He's going to want to work through you and me because God works through people. And he can work through you just as he can work through uh, the Billy Grahams, just as he can work through the Oral Roberts and, and all the rest of these people. God can work through you. And he has, uh, he, he, it's not necessarily a platform ministry that he has for you, but he has something. He has people that only you can reach. He has situations that only you can change. And your prayers matter and your faith matters. And God's calling each one of us to come into that army, to be a people of faith and to be more than conquerors through the one who loved us. Let's just pray. Father God, we thank you. Lord, we bless you because, Lord, you've called us to the kingdom for such a time as this. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you will um, just take hold of each one of our lives. Lord, we want to just ask you, Lord, that you'd search our hearts, that we might know, Lord, um, what, what you're speaking to us today. Lord, thank you that you've, um, you've spoken to each one of us, Lord. There'd be different things into different hearts. But Lord, we just want to take it on board because you are Lord, you are the King. And Lord, we want to be part of your kingdom. Lord, we submit to you afresh as our Lord, as well as our Savior. We say, Jesus, um, Lord, where you send us, we will go. What, we, what you give us to do, we will do. Lord, we pray you'll empower us, instruct us. And Lord, we pray, I pray for each person here, Lord, that they, each one of us may continually hear your voice, we might have that revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that we might have the faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.